welcome to the Back in Business podcast. On self-employment, she's business writer, broadcaster and gene expert, Liz Barkley. <laughs> and he's the living legend, the big daddy of business news and comment, Mickey Clark. We'll be taking a look at the money that the Chancellor has set aside for the self-employed and hearing from two self-employed people and one professor who researches self-employment. And from two other pods in Back in Business podcasting team, our business editor, Pocket Dynamo, Declan Curry, and our political expert, Simon McVicker, who brings a bit of sanity to the programme. <laughs> As if... <laughs> Uh, we're on <laughs> we're on www.backinbusiness.org.uk. Email us at contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk. Find us on LinkedIn and Twitter at business underscore backin. So I suppose we better go to our first guest. You think, Liz? Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's Louisa Clack. She's a freelance PR consultant. I've managed to insult her already this morning about the industry, <laughs> but there's nothing new there. Morning, Louisa. And many Good morning. Thanks, many thanks for still being there. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's not the first time. <laughs> Are you working from home? I am indeed, yes, from my kitchen. And what do the clients think of that? Um, well, I normally work from home anyway, so it hasn't really been much of a change from that perspective. Right, no one, one talks thing. to you either. Yeah, I'm the same. No <laughs> one talks to me. I mean, but have you have you found it difficult? Because presumably when you're in that industry, you have presentations, you have to pitch for business. Um, you know, you pitch through business for Zoom. It doesn't probably feel quite the same. And you must be wondering if you're selling yourself well enough. Yeah, absolutely. Marketing is hard. Um, it's sort of hard to kind of hit the mark sensitively as well. You don't want to kind of push and push. Uh, but yeah, as you say, the pitch over Zoom is, is not the same. Um, you can't really read the room as well. Um, you, can, you can't break. Um, so yeah, it's, it, that's a difficult part of it. Um, but just more for sanity. I work remotely anyway, and I normally go out in the evenings to escape my house, but now I can't do that. <laughs> what, about your, what about your clients, though? Have they stayed with you? Uh, my clients. Um, so the the day of the first announcement of lockdown, I lost all of my clients overnight. Um, so yes, yeah, sort of ninety percent of my income. They basically said to me, "These are clients that I've had for sort of well over a year now." Um, so they basically said, "We're going to postpone indefinitely," um, which was sort of quite a tough pill to swallow. Um, but I understood. I'm a small business myself, um, and I work with small businesses, um, so it was kind of understandable. And I did see it coming, but it didn't make it any easier. Um, but now I have new clients and I'm waiting for the old clients that have postponed to kind of come back, essentially. Do you think they will? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. As I say, I have a, a really good relationship with them. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping so. Um, but who's to say how hard this has hit? The economy and whether at their small businesses as i mentioned so some of them might be some of them are sort of side hustles for other people um so they might be looking at sort of focusing on their other careers or, or looking elsewhere but other businesses um i'm finding are doing really really well um out of covid so it's kind of anyone's game i think uh, how has it hit you you're talking about how it's hit your business but this it's all got to take an emotional toll because you're constantly worrying am i going to get new clients are the old ones going to come back yeah, it's been quite hard to take sort of, yeah, from a mental health perspective. As I said, that, that first night where you lost all my clients overnight, I just felt such a grief um, because I'd worked so hard to gain them. And it's been a tough 
couple of months anyway with, with Brexit and the general election just before Christmas, it wasn't the easiest time. Um, so to lose them overnight was, was really quite hard. And then to have to kind of pick myself back up again and pitch for new clients in one of the hardest climates, I think at the moment to, to pitch for new business was really hard. And as you say, like the stress and the worry of sort of, you know, I've got bills to pay at the end of the day. Um, so sort of knowing where that's coming from, it has been, it has been difficult. Simon, can I bring, can I ask Mickey, can I just bring Simon in there and say, Simon, are you, come on, you're hearing from businesses all the time. Is this what they're saying? Oh yeah, very much. That That is exactly what they're saying. Um, I mean, I think people are just um, waiting to see what happens. And of course, if you've got a self-employed person uh, on the books, it's very easy to stop their work immediately because, you know, they don't have any employment rights, etc. And um, this is why the government scheme for self-employment was so important. Um, but it's been very slow to kick in. And of course, as the professor is going to tell us, quite a few people fall through the cracks. I was going to ask Louise, once you come out of lockdown, how's your company going to look then than, say, on April the 1st? Um, you've had minimal support really up to an hour off the government. Um, presumably you've been in business long enough to get some accounts shoved into the tax man. Um, so you might be better off than some businesses, but a lot of new businesses, new startups are going to be struggling to get uh, resources and funding. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm part of a really good uh, freelance community on, on Facebook groups and things like that. And a lot of them started up their freelance company sort of say January this year, and they have been hit so hard. Um, I mean, the, there's a kind of lack of government support, to be honest with you, uh, for freelancers, if, you, if you're a limited company director anyway. Um, but let alone if you've only, if, as you say, if you haven't got sort of accounts to show to the tax man quite yet. Um, it has been tough, but yeah, I'm kind of in a more fortunate. I've been freelancing for nearly two years now, so I'm still I'm still fairly early days. Um, but I'm better off than than some of my colleagues, unfortunately. I see, Declan, you're nodding there. Um, again, this is is this what you're hearing? Yeah, and you're nodding first of all at the importance of the ecosystem in modern business nowadays, that network that you build up yourself as a freelancer, as a self-employed person, or even as a small business of people you know you can work with, you can collaborate with, and you find them through social media, through LinkedIn and whatever else. But there is a, a, an issue looking ahead to the future. The coronavirus isn't something that's going to disappear in a month's time or even in six months time. This is something that we are going to have to adapt to living with. And you do wonder what is the business uh, environment, the business climate going to look like? What is the business climate going to look like as we uh, adapt to having this thing with us on a fairly permanent basis? Can I suggest that maybe Mark Hart uh, who is a professor from Austin Business School, can answer some of those questions. Mark, you've been doing a lot of research with another professor into self-employment and who's falling through yeah. the cracks. Well, I think that Declan makes a really, really important point here because I think that you know, the government has seemingly responded quickly. I think we've had nine mini budgets now since the 11th of March, um, but they keep having to sort of be reminded of how this ecosystem works. So why why on earth would you begin to you know, give support to small businesses. And then suddenly this week, just, you know, this week, you know, two months nearly since lockdown, begin to push money out to the self-employed. Declan, your point about, you know, the SMEs employing the freelancers. So all of those people have disappeared because they've had no cash. 
the, the Louise and perhaps Jamie as well. So this is really, really problematic. The government does not clearly understand this ecosystem that Declan refers to. And yes, our research shows very clearly, Liz, that, you know, and, and the government actually admitted it this week. If you looked at the figures yesterday from, from Treasury, they said 3.5 million of 5.2 million, okay, um, businesses have been supported. Now, you know, they, they say, oh, well, that's 95% of the self-employed. Um, well, it isn't actually 95% of the self-employed. We estimate it's about 80% of the self-employed. Louise has made the point that the, the newly self-employed, which I thought a Conservative government back since Thatcher celebrated year after year after year, the party for business, etc., etc., and they have abandoned hundreds of thousands of freelancers, self-employed, um, for reasons which I find strange, and it comes back to Declan's point, they don't understand how small businesses themselves, which have been supported, are dependent upon the self-employed. It's as if they think it's an economy apart. It is not. Mark, I, I think we should put it all into context, because if you look at the economy, 80% of it is made up of the service sector. The service sector is labour-intensive, um, and unfortunately in this country we've started to use labour as almost a raw resource um, you know to increase when business you know times are good and to cut back when times are bad and I think you know you, you've hit the nail on the head that a lot of politicians look and they see a freelancer as probably the bloke who's cleaning your windows or the woman who's coming around to do your nails uh, and, and that isn't the thing I mean small medium-sized enterprises with people of aren't you know employing less than 100 people make up the bulk of employment in this country. You know, this is a serious business. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can throw you some scary stats that I've been trying to work with at the moment. I, I work just for a bit of background on the HMRC records of every business in the UK. I get access to those data anonymously, so I can't identify Louisa and Jamie and everybody else in the system. But, I, I, you know, I'm not talking about a survey I did on a wet weekend last month. I'm talking about accessing the full data set. So if we even take the ONS figures, they do a, you know, a business interruption survey at the moment, and they say 1% of uh, businesses have already closed. And it, it's a bit like the mortality data. It's, you know, it's less than 1%. It's not important. Well, when you start actually applying it to the actual population of businesses, I could say we've just under, we've lost already since March nearly 100,000 businesses just under. That's 1.2 million jobs. And the, this is really, really important. And, you know, most, you know, a large proportion of those are on the cusp. They haven't furloughed. They haven't hibernated. They have gone. So we really need to be very, very careful here. And when I look at what might happen by the end of the year, um, and so I've been trying to sort of model the effects of the great financial crisis, if that happened again, we're losing... Um, you know, probably three and a half million jobs. And I've even more scary figures, Liz, which I'm not going to share with you now. now Mark, I want to hear your scary figures. I'm just a bit conscious that we haven't got Jamie in yet. Uh, this is precisely the reason that we set up Back in Business in the first place, because we don't think that the government understands how the whole small business ecosystem actually operates. And Jamie is part of that. Jamie Love, you are a CEO and co-founder of Monumental Marketing. Um, mm -hmm. What's the impact on your business? 
Um, it was quite big. So just to give you a bit of context, we work in mainly four uh, sectors, which are um, entertainment, lifestyle, uh, technology and education. Um, so some, of, of course, more affected than others. But I think similarly to Louisa, on the day that we went into lockdown, we lost about half a million pounds in projects and clients that we had lined up for the rest of the year. Um, I mean, I've got a team of 12 full time, um, I'm 25. So there's a lot of stress on my shoulders off the back of it. And um, I think initially when the government um, kind of spoke out to businesses, it made it sound really easy to get support, you know, that they were there for you. The weeks and days to come after that, you know, you quickly realized that that wasn't the case and it was just you on your own trying to work it out, well, what it meant. And, um, you know, you turn to like accountants and lawyers and stuff to try and help you, but they knew just as much as you did. So it was just kind of like the blind leading the blind, really. Um, and where did you eventually end up? Because I think you went for one of the C one of the coronavirus business interruption loans yeah. and, I, and got turned down for that. Am I right? Yeah, correct. So I applied for the Seabull, uh, however they call it, um, pretty much the day it was announced. Um, it took about six and a half weeks to get a copy and paste no to that. Um, so that definitely scared me because, uh, you know, that was going to be my runway for a couple of months uh, just to cover staffing. That was my main thing. Um, so, yeah, six and a half weeks for a no. And then they announced the bounce back loan. Uh, we were able to apply for that and we did get that. But that is about 25% of the original kind of loan that I asked for. So it adds six weeks of runway as opposed to six months. What 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 reason did the bank give you for this cock and ball interruption loan not for not giving it? Well, this is actually quite hysterical. So um, I had a phone call yesterday from my bank and um, they don't know why I got to, uh, turned down. Um, but if I was to apply for it again, I would have to give back the bounce back loan money. But there is no guarantee that I would get the C-bill. And that means I wouldn't be able to apply for the bounce back again. So you could lose out both ways. You could lose the bounce back loan yeah. and not get the C-bill. Exactly. So I had to cut my losses and just... Russian think, right. roulette, that is. Exactly. It's, it's gambling. And uh, I'm not a gambling man. So I said no, and we'll just crack on and do our own thing. Um, but I'm just not willing to lose both. So fewer choices. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, by that point, you know, we're eight weeks in now. So by that point, we'd already worked out a way around it. This, you know, the bounce back is going to help a bit. Uh, but of course, it, it's nowhere near uh, what the C-bill was going to be. And if I asked you the same question I asked Louisa, once you come out of lockdown, how is your business going to look between now and when we went into lockdown in the first place? How is the um, industry going to look? I mean, our industry is going to be completely, you know, flipped on its head, um, which is great in a lot of ways. It creates a lot of opportunities. Um, I mean, digital marketing and digital PR are the key of what we do. Uh, the biggest change is who we will doing it, who we will be doing it for and how we will be doing it. Um, our kind of target audience has changed completely. Our education clients are coming to us because they've no clue how to deliver, you know, university courses online at a distance when, you know, they work off a campus model. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting. And these are probably just the growing pains. Um, we're trying to stay positive about it. You know, we got to do it. What else can you do? Exactly. <laughs> I'm to stay positive, Mark. I see you struggling to get in there. Is Come it a on. picture you yeah. recognise, Mark? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at a lot of the, the well, you know, I do a lot of work with small businesses through a lot of growth programs I run, so I'm talking to them most days. We, we're looking at a big cliff edge um, at the start of quarter three, so August, September. This is when businesses will run out of cash. That's why the furlough scheme was extended to the end of October to give a bit more breathing space. But look, you know, the cash reserves are, are, are really difficult. Um, and obviously, Jamie's trying to manage the cash as best he can. You know, Sybil's has been probably... Um, watch my words here, um, not very helpful to the majority of small businesses. Bounce back loans was introduced. Why? Because Sybil's wasn't working. Um, I, lo- I love your take on the, on the, um, <laughs> the, the acronym, Mickey, by the way. Um, but, you know, the average money going out is 35K under bounce back loans. But, you know, 35K is not going to actually rescue the position of the majority of small businesses. And now, and now we've got a situation uh, whereby you're actually asking business to take debt into their business. Why? When, when revenues have plummeted to almost zero, why on earth would you be interested in taking debt? Even if the repayment schemes are favourable and postponed, etc., etc. This is not a good idea. Well, you, you still got to give it back. Yeah. I was going to say how much of that money has actually gone out that was put uh, aside for this. Is it vast amounts or are small businesses simply saying we don't want to take on that debt? Well, not as much as we had anticipated back in the you know late, late March, early April, that's for sure. Uh, Sybil's is very weak in getting that cash out the door. Bounce Bank Loans is actually performing a lot better, but it's only there because Sybil's wasn't working. And, and pressure from um, you know British Chamber and other lobby groups. Um, I do a lot of work with the British Business Bank, so I've been in their ear most weeks saying, look, come on, get real here. If you're serious about getting cash out of businesses, then write them a blooming cheque. Germany wrote folk a cheque of about €9,000 to their equivalent of the self-employed up front, whereas our self-employed, Louisa, can't get her seven and a half grand until maybe sometime next week or the week after. What, you know, why wait? Why not just write them a cheque? Because Treasury worries about fraud and everything else. That's why the company directors have fallen through the scheme, because they assume that everyone's got huge amount of dividends. They've got the yachts parked off. Um, I was going to say Bangor Marina, but the listeners won't understand that one, Liz. Um, but the, the yachts are parked somewhere in the Caribbean, let's say, tax havens of the world. And uh, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, look, there's been a lot of good things happening out there, but it's not enough. We bailed out the banks for water, eye-watering sums of money, and we haven't even got close to that sum yet. We've still got These small businesses, self-employed, they're going to be part of the recovery. This is what they don't understand. When I look back to the crisis 10 years ago, what drove the recovery were young, agile, flexible small firms, the self-employed, who embraced that whole culture and got on with it and took us back to where we were before. By, well, I was going to say last year, but last year, as Louisa said, was rocky enough for other reasons, which I don't want to mention. But I think you're absolutely right on that. And that's the, that's another reason that we set up back in business. We're really interested in the young businesses, the innovative businesses that are prepared to take risk. Because if we don't support them and we don't back them, we certainly aren't going to get, uh, you know, we're not going to get back that backbone of the economy that we've been really dependent on over the last 12 years. But it comes back to a misunderstanding of how this, you know, the economy works, the small business economy works, and the way in which even intricate supply chains, this government has no idea how supply chains work 
and I'm not talking about PPE because that's been an unmitigated disaster. They don't understand the, the way in which people like Jamie and Louisa are, are tied into, you know, larger businesses, helping them achieve their ambition, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's, just a, it's just a complete um, lack of understanding. And this is the party of business. But if you look at them, these aren't business people. We need to get them on. We need to get them on the podcast. We need to have them here to be able to answer back for themselves. Uh, but I see, you know, the problem with Zoom is that you can't get your elbows into the discussion. <laughs> Declan, Declan, and Simon have been trying to get in for more Northern Ireland voices <laughs> that Just understand to, uh, Bangor Yacht <laughs> Marina. <laughs> uh, I've never been to Bangor Marina in my life. It's far too posh for the likes. Can of be arranged. Uh, <laughs> just to uh, just to drop in some numbers, the, there is now more money going out in bounce back loans than there is in the bigger scheme, the Siebel scheme, which is staggering when you think about it, because the bounce back loans are in government spending terms tiny, up to fifty thousand pounds, and yet more than eight billion pounds has gone out under the bounce back scheme. Some seven billion has gone out in the other uh, business uh, scheme, the Siebel scheme, and um, self employed income replacement that was 1.3 billion in just the first day uh, of applications for that scheme which was uh, this week that money gets into people's bank accounts by the 25th of may um, i i know simon knows politicians much better uh, than the, the, than i do and you know it i always have the suspicion that there are politicians who look at people who run their own businesses and the first thought that comes to their mind is tax dodger. And that's part of the reason that help has been delayed. I understand it's been done in an order of priority. Big employers, medium-sized employers, self-employed. But where's the help for company directors? The Prime Minister was pushed on it in the Commons this week by the head of the Green Party and the head of the Liberal Democrats. And you haven't even mentioned IR35. Don't start. <laughs> what I would suggest uh, is this is not a party political issue. This is a Treasury issue. Um, in my experience, uh, the Treasury do believe there are too many self-employed people in the economy. And they do believe that that needs to come down. And that's why their scheme has not been as generous to the self-employed as it might be to employees. And Declan's right, it's all about, they think they're tax dodgers and they're not giving the government the tax revenue they need. I'm sorry, didn't didn't I see Gordon Brown stand at the dispatch box as Chancellor of the Exchequer telling people he wanted to see more self-employment in this country and more people setting up in their own business? It used to be government policy to encourage enterprise. They all say that. They all say that. But you listen to the Treasury officials and you get a very different story. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, on paper, the Conservative Party is the party of small and self-employment, small business and self-employment. And yet they're delivering a policy which is anti-self-employment, really. But it's also the fact that the government has, has adopted, they've done the right things, they've, they've rushed to support, but they've adopted a one-size-fits-all policy, which shows really just how little knowledge they've got of how this economy works, how it's structured, and what the makeup of self-employment is. Or they've taken a decision that the self-employed will have to be sacrificed to save the employed. But I want to make one other... I want to go... Can I go back to Mark's report? Because there was one thing that I thought was devastating in it. 
Um, the, the, the areas in your report, Mark, of the self-employed people who are falling through the cracks of the government scheme, which are really the young who are taking an, uh, an entrepreneurial risk, those in their 50s and 60s maybe who are moving into consultancy, and then mothers returning to the workforce. These are the three key groups that have really fueled the growth in self-employment since the last crash of 2008. Um, so these groups are going to be potentially devastated by the lack of help from the government. I mean, what, what do you, what, what's your view on that? Well, my, well, I think you know the, the the report sets it out quite clearly, Simon. Um, this is something which obviously the government's got a blind spot, and it is about treasury. I do agree with that because you know I, my research centre, by the way, the Enterprise Research Centre, it's funded by government, it's funded by uh, some private sector as well in terms of uh, the commission projects we do. But you know we're funded by Bayes, the Department for Business, and we make our views known through Bayes to Treasury. And the Bayes can't get that, that message across, Simon. So we really do have a fundamental issue in Treasury here. Um, but yes, we have got a problem whereby people are falling through the cracks. And, you know, one issue that popped up this week was if you're self-employed and you've had maternity leave in the middle of, um, say, three years, then what you've, you, you've, you've got no tax return that year. So again, I'm trying to get your assessment of how much money you should get on the 25th of May. You're disadvantaging not just women, but women who have actually gone out as self-employed, then created a family, and then trying to get back in to run their business again. I'm not sure whether that applies to Louisa or not. But th these are the, the, the sort of gender-blind issues that are coming through from the policies that are being enacted. It's not good enough. Now, my suggestion is we should have written a check in March for three months to every small self-employed individual sole trader. Germany did it, 9,000 euros, check gone. And not even worried about it. If you actually multiply that by four million self-employed, it's a big number. But hey, we're, we're, we're throwing around some big numbers anyway. And, you know, you're going to have to pay it through other means. And one other issue I want to raise is this. A lot of businesses had business interruption clauses in their insurance policies. I, I did some work on this last week and this week. And, you know, there's claims, you know, it's capped at about 50k or 100k, depending on the policy. 50k, important point, because it's the same value of a bounce back loan. We don't need bounce back loans if the insurance companies had actually honoured their clauses, which said, if you've got an infectious disease within X miles off your premises, whether it's home or not, we pay out. They've refused, they've rejected the majority of claims. Not part of the business plan, Mark. Yeah, but the point is, but the point is that would have stopped the taxpayer having to write bounce back loans. Absolutely, and there are a couple of cases uh, being prepared to go to court, taking uh, you know, and a lot of small businesses have signed up for those. I know of one that has got five hundred small businesses in a claim process at the minute. But um, we, I'm very conscious that Louise and Jamie have been hearing what you've been saying, but they've not had a chance to respond. Their elbows aren't I'll as sharp as everybody else's. Come on, you two. Um, what do you think of what everybody's been saying? I think for me, one of the most laughable things that has come out is, is the treatment of, sort of company directors um, throughout the, all of this and the furloughing that you can do of yourself. So I was so elated when they first announced the self-employed grant scheme because I thought I would be able to apply for that and it was quite a generous grant when it was first laid out um but having looked deeper in it and chatted to my accountant it turned out as a limited company director like so many other freelancers i freelance through a limited company 
um, I could not apply for the self-employed grant. I could furlough myself on my PYE salary that I pay myself, like most company directors, around £700 a month. So I don't know what 20% of that is. I can't do fast maths, but not a lot. And to furlough myself, I would have to not do any work entirely. So even direct debits that are coming out of my business account for software that I pay for, I'd have to cancel those. They were so stringent on the rules and I couldn't market myself. So I couldn't put out anything, you know, once we come out of this, please, please, please return back to my business. I couldn't do anything. And it was just so impossible. And to have that as the only support from the government, it seemed other than the, the loans that the other guests have mentioned, it felt like a bit of a kick in the kick in the mouth, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but do you think this is conspiracy or do you think that this is the lack of understanding that Mark has been talking about and that I am absolutely convinced of and have been for years as to how small business operates and how freelancers play into the whole ecosystem? I totally agree. I think someone, I can't remember who mentioned about sort of tax dodging and, and that's seen as that particularly company directors, you know, we're not all in our mansions in Geneva, you know, <laughs> a lot of them, it's, it's the backbone of the country. And a lot of, certainly some clients I've engaged with are large companies that, that deal with these self-employed freelancers. And they insist that you are do it through a limited company because they don't want to deal with a sole trader. And I want to do the same, you know, I want everything by the book. So it feels a bit like not a two-way street. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I and a, a, a BBC. Uh, sorry, I was I was about to say a broadcaster that I shouldn't mention, and of course I've just done it. <laughs> has uh, at one stage in the game put us most of us in the same position by saying we want you to operate through a limited company, um, and uh, that would have you know rendered us in this exactly the same position as you. We are all uh, still freelance and probably never work for them again after that. I mean, Dick Doodos, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie yeah no I mean I was just wanted to say like the only kind of um help that we received as kind of self-employed and uh, company owners is really that we don't have to pay our VAT till next year um and I mean my accountant pitched that to me as oh my god this is amazing and I thought oh right so still got to pay it back though Jamie well that's what I thought I was just like so when everything hopefully is kind of back to normal I have twice as much to pay for the rest of 2021 so i just don't i just they just don't understand it and you know to go back to your question about conspiracy or just misunderstanding i mean i think maybe it's a bit of a mix of both i mean i really thought you know what are they making out of not helping out of waiting eight weeks to actually offer anything um you know the longer you wait the less people you have to help and i really hope i'm wrong but that's kind of how it's starting to feel to me would you ever have borrowed had you not been in this position Absolutely not. I never have. Um, as I said, you know, got a team of 12 central London offices and I have never borrowed. Completely self-funded and completely just, you know, organically growing. Um, and now, yeah, I guess I am a borrower um, for some reason. But that's exactly what Jonathan said on last week's podcast. He would never have put his business in that position of, mm -hmm. having, to, uh, of having to pay back a loan. Um, we could talk about this all day. We could. <laughs> but, but sadly... Uh, I think we probably have to stop. Uh, there's only so much the listeners will, will bear. Uh, but uh, it would be depressed. Really... <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, but it would be great to have you all back again if you would if you would come yeah. back, Mark. Uh, so we know well. how you're getting on, basically. You know, yes. give us some idea of, of what it's like because uh, you know you are going to come back at some point, and we need to know how your business is shaping up compared to when the shutdowns first started. Two. Thank you. Uh, Thank you ever so much uh, for joining us, uh, Louise Clark, Jamie Love 
and Mark Hart. Simon, what do you what do you think of uh, that discussion that we've just had? Is there anything that surprises you, shocks you? You know, I can I can see it from the uh, self-employed um, business perspective. I mean, they must just be so frustrated. Um, is it conspiracy? I I definitely think there's a a, a view within Treasury that self-employment is not as legitimate as employment. I don't believe the politicians believe that, but when they get into the Treasury, they become institutionalised. It doesn't matter what party. So I think there's a lot of work to be done there. Well, that's our job to change all of that. Um, Declan, give us what's been happening this week, a quick overview. Well, in England, in England, it's the week when people were supposedly going back to work, where the uh, tone switched from telling us to stay at home to uh, go to work uh, if you possibly can. And that we're sort of reaching that point now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, where we're working out how do we live with this for the long term? What has to change in the way that we do business? In factories, we're seeing uh, them bringing in social distancing. Canteens and larger businesses may not exist. If you're planning somehow to get a holiday or to fly somewhere, that's going to look and feel totally different. Temperature checks, uh, no queue for the toilet on Ryanair if that's uh, if you're caught short mid-flight. Uh, even talk of robots patrolling the beaches to make sure that we keep our distance. The business world is going to look a lot different. Mickey, it might be time for you to retire. <laughs> My editors have always maintained I retired years ago. I won't argue that. I do notice that costs are still going up. Um, the, the, the congestion charge for London, this will affect a lot of freelancers, of course, is to rise by 30% next month. So, yes, you know, you're, you're getting a bit of a loan support, but your costs are still going up in the meantime. Well, thank you for very much for bringing that up just as a, a final point to depress us all completely. Anyway, thank you to everybody, Declan, Louisa, Mark, Jamie, Simon, Mickey. Uh, that's all for this week. Tell us, how is your business going? Will you survive? What keeps you awake at night? Um, or is the situation presenting you with opportunities? Because crises always present opportunities somewhere. Where are they? Email us at contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk. Visit the website, find us on LinkedIn, or we're on Twitter at business underscore back and tell us your story. And next week, we'll be talking about debt. See you then. Mm-hmm.